0: Welcome to Specs Speak Science, the scientific podcast hosted by a rotating cast of chemists and industry experts. From highlighting the hidden chemistry in our everyday lives to discussing relevant industry topics, Specs Speak Science looks to deliver informative content to the scientific community. With that, please enjoy this installment of Specs Speak Science. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Spec Speak Science. My name is Patricia Atkins, the Senior Application Scientist at Spec Prep. Today, we're gonna to take a closer look at hand sanitizers, disinfectants, and personal protective equipment, what we know as PPE. Of course, we've all gotten the advice. We've seen the little CDC graphic that you need to know how it spreads, know how to protect yourself and how to protect others. That means, of course, social distancing, stay six feet apart, Watch for droplets. We know now that droplets is a root of infection for for COVID. You want to wash your hands for more than 20 seconds with soap and water and use hand sanitizer that's 60 or 70% or better of alcohol. Avoid touching the face, which can be really difficult sometimes. Avoid close contact. And of course, you want to stay home when you're sick, wear a mask when you're out and cover your sneezes and coughs. The first thing, let's talk about hand washing. I know this has been beaten to death a lot, but hand washing is incredibly important because the soap that we use has a polar end and a non-polar end. It has a lipophilic end and a hydrophilic end. So one end loves water. It's going to bond to water. And the other end is going to bond to lipids or fats like what are in those viral envelopes. So those viruses are contained in that envelope. That envelope is full of proteins and lipids. And so the soap one and bonds to that lipid structure, the other bonds to the water, it basically breaks the the virus apart and it physically washes the virus down the sink for you. Now, if you're depending on hand sanitizers, like all of us are, you can actually make your own hand sanitizer it's mostly water and alcohol with a few different ingredients, but you want to make sure that the purity of alcohol that you're using is pretty high. So you want about 91% purity of alcohol. That's not 91% alcohol in your hand sanitizer. That means if you pick up a bottle of isopropyl alcohol and you read the bottle and it says it's 30% isopropyl alcohol, that's not what you want to be using to making your hand sanitizer. 91% or better. And you want it to be something like an isopropyl alcohol, which is rubbing alcohol, or an ethanol, Some other ingredients that you can put in your hand sanitizer are some hydrogen peroxide that you also want to have a minimum of 3% hydrogen peroxide. This kills any residual molds, bacteria, or anything else that might be in the hand sanitizer. Some glycerol with a minimum purity of about 98%. So if you mix all this together and you mix more water into it, you'll get yourself a a hand sanitizer. And if you're interested, we have some graphics on our website that show you how to uh, formulate your own liter of hand sanitizer at at different percentages of alcohol purity. Now, if you're going to use alcohol or you're gonna make your own hand sanitizer, be aware, not all alcohols are the same. And, And if you're a chemist, you already know this you really uh, want to be using ethanol or isopropanol. Now, methanol is not an alcohol that you wanna be using. Methanol or wood alcohol is a byproduct of chemical processes and you can die from this. There have been many historical cases of people going blind and dying from ingesting methanol when they thought they were ingesting ethanol or what we think of as drinking alcohol. Now you also are probably not going to be wanting to use propanol in your hand sanitizer. Not that you would anyhow, propanol is a little bit more of an expensive alcohol compared to methanol, so you probably wouldn't be using that. You really wanna be using ethanol and isopropanol. Ethanol is drinking alcohol or what we consider to be uh, alcohol that we drink and isopropanol is considered to be rubbing alcohol. As we said, methanol is, really dangerous it's the simplest alcohol it is wood alcohol it can be absorbed through the skin it could uh, cause blindness it could cause death and there's a lot of news reports of methanol contamination and hand sanitizers and different disinfectants and we'll get to that in a little bit the reason why people use methanol or why they substitute methanol for ethanol is because it's cheap it's a synthetic byproduct of a lot of chemical processes so it's a garbage product in some cases, and they want to get rid of it. So it is very cheap to buy, and it's synthetic. On the other hand, ethanol that we drink, that we use for fuel, usually like ethanol additives, these are produced by fermentation reactions. So you have corn or rice or some other um agricultural material it is fermented and it produces ethanol it's a more expensive process now if you see something that says ethanol but it says denatured alcohol or denatured ethanol that means they purposely add methanol into it so if you pick up a bottle of ethanol and it says denatured alcohol or denatured ethanol that is not something you want to be using for your hand sanitizer over the last few weeks we've seen an uptick and reports of hand sanitizers and disinfectants being um, being alerted to because they contain methanol. The FDA has updates on its website. You can go and there's a whole list of them. I think it's, uh, it's more than a dozen uh, different companies and like five dozen different brands of hand sanitizers that are being recalled or updated and, and warned about because they contain methanol in it. So if you're going to buy hand sanitizer, buy one from a reputable company. We all know what the the brand names and scientific uh, resources are. We know what the brand names and cleaning supplies are. Purchase from reputable sources. Check the ingredients. Make sure that the sanitizer is not on that FDA list. Now, a rule of thumb is that most of the banned uh, disinfectants and hand sanitizers are being manufactured in Mexico. Now they can be manufactured in other places, but this particular list at this time, most of them say manufactured in Mexico. And you wanna check with the disinfectants for all the proper ingredients. You wanna pick up that hand sanitizer and you wanna read isopropyl alcohol or or ethanol. Cleaning and disinfecting. Again, not all alcohols are the same. Alcohol, uh, ethanol is the base for hand sanitizers. You can also use uh, isopropyl alcohol or rubbing alcohol. Now you can use methanol for laboratory cleaning. But again, it can be dangerous. It can absorb be absorbed through the skin. It can go through gloves. You don't want to be inhaling methanol vapors. So that would probably be one of the ones you want to stay away from. If you are using alcohols for disinfection, you want it to be at least 70% and you want to leave it on a surface for several minutes. It could be anywhere from as short as one minute all the way up to 10 minutes, depending on the concentration of the material that you're using for disinfection and the surface that you're putting it on. Most uh, COVID-19 exists on different surfaces for different times, anywhere from three hours to three days. So in the air, it could be a a few hours. On cardboard, it could be a day. Uh, Something like a metal or plastic, it could possibly live up to three days. Some other cleaners you'll see are solvents. Well, solvents will dissolve those lipids. It will denature the proteins of that viral capsule and it it will destroy the virus. And you also want to watch out with solvents though, solvents, acids, bleaches, things like that, because you could risk damaging your lab surfaces or your home surfaces or wherever you're disinfecting. And you can also um, risk contaminating something. So if you're doing a lab experiment, you might be adding solvent into your lab experiment by using these solvents as cleaners. And of course, bleach, bleach is a very good cleaner, sodium hypochlorite, about 0.1%, you leave it on the surface for a minute, but It is bleach, so just be careful because you're going to bleach whatever surfaces. And if they're porous, you're going to end up with with some damage to the surface. It's very important that you understand the concentration and suggested contact time. You can go to the CDC, you can go to the FDA and the EPA. They have lists of different active ingredients for disinfectant, things like citric acid, ethanol. Now, if you're using ethanol, The contact time suggested by concentrations is one to five minutes. So if you're using 60 or 70% ethanol, it's gonna be closer to five minutes. If you're using 70, 80, 90% ethanol, it'll be closer to maybe to one minute. If you have a mix of ingredients, then it could be shorter or longer depending on the mix of ingredients. If you're using a lower percent of a particular compound, then yes, then you're going to have a longer contact time. Again, you can go to the CDC, you can go to the EPA, and they have lists of different recommended um, active ingredients and the suggested contact time for them. You're also gonna wanna make yourself a checklist. Make sure that you're cleaning all the same surfaces in in the same manner. Are you doing general cleaning? Are you doing laboratory cleaning? If you're doing general cleaning, think about things like keyboards, printers, monitors, monitor buttons, doorknobs, light switches. Think of common contact points, common places where multiple people will touch the same area. Gloves uh, will help you, but it will also spread uh, different contaminants from different parts of the lab. So just don't just don't think just because you have gloves on that you can touch everything. You are still actually spreading things from one place to another. Be careful when you're using cell phones and you're using office phones, make sure you clean those as well. Air filters, if you're in a lab or in, in an office, uh, Ask them to change the air filters. Your desks, think about things that people borrow. Tape dispensers, staplers, scissors, things like that. In the lab, your instrument computers, your instrument knobs, buttons. How about that bottle of HPLC mobile phase that, you know, you you need to make some more mobile phase. You go and you pull out from under the cabinet a bottle of methanol, but your colleague maybe just used it a, a few minutes before. Did somebody wipe that down and clean it off? How about hood controls are you turning the hoods on and off are you turning the thermostats up or down spigots faucets so think of those common contact points now those of us who do work in the lab there's different PPE that we use and then there's some specialized PPE unless you work in a clean room you're probably not looking at sticky mats too often but sticky mats are mostly to remove environmental contamination and it protects the laboratory and the experiments that are going on in the laboratory Shoe covers as well. This could be uh, stopping the laboratory contamination from spreading out into the, into the rest of the office, the rest of the labs. It can also stop environmental contamination from getting into the labs. So that can to protect you and it can, can protect the laboratory as well. Clean rooms. You know if you work in a clean room. This prevents particle deposition. So you're not bringing large particles or large amount of dust and other materials into that clean room or that clean lab or that clean space. In some cases, that mostly protects the laboratory experiments of what's going on in that room. But if it's a high enough class clean room, the size of the particles gets smaller and smaller. The amount that's filtered out gets higher and higher. So uh, a very high uh, quality clean room can also filter out viral particles. Respirators, these limit the n- amount of dangerous particles or fumes that you can inhale. We've been talking a lot about respirators, face masks, face shields and all the rest of it lately because everybody's kind of going crazy about, you know, getting these these face masks, these respirators. A proper respirator is fitted. That means that somebody, uh, usually a safety officer has fitted the respirator to you, made sure that there is no gaps, that you, you know how to operate it properly, that you know how it functions. And this will protect the user from particles, from fumes, from from other inlets. Face masks; these are not the same everywhere. Face masks do uh, have the potential of tr- stopping the transmission of infectious particles from one person to another. You know, we've all seen the those things online; those little those little. Um, clips of people like spraying colored liquid and they're showing that face masks will stop at least some of the transmission out and in into the face mask and that's true. So some face covering is better than no face covering but there are different grades of face masks. You have things like surgical face masks. You have something like the cloth face mask that most of us have been wearing lately. They are different types of face masks and they have different ratings. Then you have face shields. This really doesn't protect you from the air. It protects you from splashes. This protects your eyes and your nose and your mouth from something splashing into it. So it will protect if somebody coughs at you. It will protect um, the the particles that are directed towards your face, but it does not protect you from the air that that is around it. And it's obviously not airtight, so you're not getting an airtight airtight protection from a, a face shield. As we said, respirators filter particles. We've heard a lot about N95 ratings. That means that 95% of the airborne particles have been filtered out. There are different ratings, like an N100 means 99.97% of particles have been filtered out. And then there's different ratings for if the the, the respirator is oil proof or oil resistant or not oil resistant. Face masks, again, depends on what type of face mask. They can be very different from that surgical mask to the cloth covering. And then face shields give you the least amount of protection, and this is mostly for for the splashes. Everybody who works in a lab knows about the common personal protective equipment, gloves. This usually protects us from whatever we're working with, but it could also be a source of spread because if you don't change those gloves and you don't watch what you're touching with those gloves, you can transfer infections and and contamination from one surface to another. Lab coats, this usually protects your clothing, but it also can protect whatever experiments you're you're doing um, from your personal uh, contamination issues. So if you wear a perfume or detergents and things like that, this can be a layer or a barrier to that. And then lab glasses, protects your eyes from splash. Now, I wanna talk about gloves a little bit. Everybody thinks I'm wearing a pair of gloves, so I'm safe. Well, there are different types of gloves. There are different materials. You have things like your latex gloves, your natural rubber gloves, or you have neoprene gloves or PVC gloves or nitrile gloves. So there are all these different types of gloves. And usually a lab only has maybe one or two types of gloves in their lab. So you might only have nitrile gloves in your lab, or you might only have latex gloves in your lab. But one size does not necessarily fit all. Anybody who has worked in an organic chemistry lab knows that something like methylene chloride basically permeates almost every type of glove that you have. At the minute you get some on the surface, uh, within anywhere from a few minutes to half an hour, you can actually feel the, the methylene chloride or some, some other solvents go right through the gloves. So let's say you're now using those gloves to clean your lab. And you're going to be using ethanol. So I've got these latex gloves. I put them on. I'm going to use my ethanol base cleaner. Wrong. Because ethanol and, and latex gloves are not a good combination. In fact, uh, you're not recommended to use ethanol when you're using latex glove. It has very poor protection. For something like ethanol, you want something like a butyl glove. a nitrile glove which will give you a little bit more protection so if you're using ethanol and you're using it to clean you want butyl gloves or you want nitrile gloves if you're using isopropyl alcohol yeah you don't want to be using latex gloves you have no protection less than an hour they're not recommended but if you use a neoprene glove you have good protection up to about four hours if you use a butyl glove excellent protection over eight hours a nitrile glove also over eight hours so depending on what you are using those gloves for, they have different protection factors. Now, if you are very concerned, you can go to a uh, compatibility database, something like Cole Palmer has a safety glove chemical compatibility database. You go into that website and you can search for the different chemicals you're using and see what the compatibility for the different glove materials are. So now that you are, you're cleaning and you're cleaning your lab, you're thinking, okay, well, am I actually kind of adding more contaminants to my lab? The short answer is probably. You have now introduced acids like in bleach or cleaners or solvents. In some cases, people are using steam and you're adding those to your sensitive experiments. You're adding them to your hoods. And you really should be decommissioning those areas until all the fumes and all of the materials have time to dissipate and, and that area to clear. If you're using steam, make sure you're not using it in a temperature sensitive or a water sensitive area because you might increase your contamination there. And some tips are to like check your hood flow if possible, especially if you're using solvents and cleaners. You really want to increase that hood flow if possible. And if possible, change your air filters once you're all finished. You want to remove any porous material before cleaning. Sometimes uh, we'll line hoods with paper towels. Well, you want to take all that paper towels out of there and you want to make sure you don't put any fresh porous material into that hood until some time has passed and you're able to make sure that none of those fumes have been absorbed by that porous material. You can also use a chemical trap. At Specs, we have odor eroders. These are chemical traps that will trap fumes and vapors. Also, what we're doing at Specs is we're introducing a policy of scanning people using an IR thermometer. So, an IR thermometer are great because you capture temperature at a distance. It consists of a detector with a readout and a lens and the lens focuses uh, the infrared uh, to that p- point that you're ma- measuring and you're going to then get a reading from it. This is called the distance to spot ratio. So that basically means the amount of distance uh, to the diameter of the area of the spot that you're measuring. So the higher the ratio, the more accurate at a further distance in a smaller spot. So with a high distance spot ratio, something like maybe a 10 to one, that means from 10 inches away, you can measure one inch and that that's the the accuracy of that distance to spot ratio. You can get an accurate reading. Now, if you are trying to um, read somebody at 10 feet with a one inch spot, but you are uh, 20 feet away, you're not gonna get an accurate reading. The good thing is that IR thermometers are non-invasive, they're very portable, they're very affordable, but you also wanna make sure that you're using devices that are cleared by the FDA. That means the FDA has approved this type of device for this type of use. We've also started doing it for health screenings. We have this little self declaration form and it's basically our contact tracing. Have you been diagnosed? Do you have any uh, symptoms? Were you at any gatherings? Have you been with anybody who's been diagnosed? Have you traveled in any areas? So you go through this health screening to make sure that you're limiting contact. One of the things SPEC-SERTA-PREP has done is introduced uh, PPE supplies. So we're trying to make it easy for our, our customers to be able to get their uh, PPE supplies along with their standards. So we have just introduced disposable face shields, uh, alcohol, hand sanitizers. This is 80% uh, alcohol. So it is a very high percentage of alcohol and it kills 99.9% of bacteria, germ and viruses. So this is a, a very effective and safe form of hand sanitizer. We have cotton cloth IPA wipes for your laboratory. These are 70% isopropyl alcohol wipes to clean your laboratory with. They're very heavy duty, and they do a great job of cleaning up laboratory and office spaces. Of course, we also have those infrared thermometers with FDA clearance that we talked about. And we have a whole host of other uh, PPE uh, materials for you. So we have spray bottles and, and things like that. So if you have any needs for some uh, PPE equipment, please give us a call or, or come onto our website and uh, we can be happy to help you out. Thank you for listening and hopefully you'll join us again soon. Specspeak Science is presented by Spec Certiprep, a leading manufacturer of certified reference materials and calibration standards for analytical spectroscopy and chromatography. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating the podcast and subscribing for future installments. Similar content, such as application notes, research studies, webinars, and more, can be found at SpecCertiprep.com. Thank you for listening to Specspeak Science, and we look forward to bringing you future episodes.